Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all here coming in and um, looking forward to worshiping with you all this morning. Uh, my name is Kirk. I'm filling in for Pastor David this morning, who is out with our youth group on a winter retreat. So they're, they're I think they're doing like some snow tubing and uh, hopefully talking about the gospel and Jesus. Um, so anyway, well, let's let's stand together and worship. Let's sing about our living Savior. There is now a hope that lasts beyond our days. For the one that once was buried lives again. Now the tomb is bare and empty and the stone is rolled away. Praise the risen King who overcame the grave. All you Oh, in Jesus. 
Let there be dancing in the darkness. Let our song break through the night. Lift your voice and sing that Christ is King, for Jesus is alive. Let there be dancing in the darkness. Let our song break through the night. Lift your voice and sing that Christ is King, for Jesus is alive. It's an exciting song to lead with. Uh, we are going to do a responsive reading call to worship from Psalm 71. So read along with me on the, uh, on the people parts, please. Oh God, be not far from me. Oh my God, make haste to help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed. With scorn and disgrace, may they be covered who seek my hurt. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, glorious in all. O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. Your righteousness, O God, reaches high heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you. All God and King, lift up your voice and with the sea. Oh, praise Him. Alleluia. Thou burning sun with soaring gleam. Thou silver moon with softer gleam. Oh, praise Alleluia. so strong the clouds that sail in heaven along oh praise him alleluia thou rising moon in praise rejoice ye lights of evening find a Oh, praise Him. Oh, praise Him. 
of your creation, we were made to praise you. So help us to do that this morning. Help us to open our hearts to you in praise and to seek to see your praise be spread throughout the earth. to sing my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace, my gracious Master and my God, assist me to proclaim, to spread through all the earth abroad, the honors of thy name so let his praises ring from the heavens from the nations let his praises 
it high. Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids us sorrows cease. Tis music in the sinner's ears, tis life and health and peace. He breaks the power of canceled sin, Sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the phallus clean. His blood availed for me. So let his praises ring from the heavens, from the nations. Let his praises ring from my voices. everybody. Good morning. So glad you're here today. Uh, my name is Jeff Jennings. I serve as the lead pastor here at Bethany Church. Uh, glad you're here to join us in person or maybe you're watching online. Hello to you watching online or maybe back in room two back there streaming. Glad you have jumped in using technology to be with us as well. Uh, just glad you're here to worship the risen Lord today. Uh, we are a gospel-centered church whose mission is helping people follow Jesus. We're also a, word, a church that is unashamedly committed to the word of God, which means we will sing it, we will speak it, we will pray it, we will preach it, but in, in community. So unashamedly committed to the word of God, but doing that all in community. So looking to see this morning, as you think of who's even sitting next to you, how can you speak it to them today? Proclaim it to them today. Respeak it to them today. Encourage them today. 
uh, as we gather in community around the Word and the Savior of that Word. That's who we are, that's who we want to be, and that's who we want to grow into as a church. If you're new this morning, glad you're here. I see a few new faces out there today. We're glad you're visiting with us if you are here. We have something called a Next Step card. It looks just like this. You see it on the screen behind me as well. You will find that on the chair back in front of you. If you are new today and just want to let us know you're here, we'd love for you to do that. Get some information out to us or about yourself, and then we'll get some information out to you about the church when you bring that card out to the welcome counter in the gathering place and exchange it for a Bethany Church water bottle, just our gift uh, to you for being a visitor uh, today. And as we come to a time of um, giving back and prayer, uh, we want to pray this morning in particular for our youth who are away at winter camp. You heard Pastor David took our junior high and our high school, 20, about 20 or so kids uh, out to camp. To uh, They're really talking about uh, apologetics, challenging questions about Christianity and how we answer those. So that's what they're doing this weekend. They come back tomorrow. So we want to pray for them. Um, they are disciples now, too. They are part of the church now, too. Just like our kids are, a lot of kids scattered through the sanctuary this morning are part of the church now, too. Not just when they become adults, but uh, from the day they are here and come to trust Christ as their Lord and Savior. So would you bow with me as we pray for them this morning um, and our service as well as we continue to worship? Lord Jesus, I pray this morning that you would, as as Kirk said, open our hearts, prepare our hearts to hear from you as uh, Jack comes to open the word today as we talk about this question, who makes disciples? Lord Jesus, we um, want to be expectant as we walk through these doors, expectant of how you will meet us here, but as just as much how we will meet each other here. And how we are called to build one another up and to to strengthen one another and encourage one another in love and in friendship and really in family bond of the spirit we have. So spirit, we ask you, do the work that only you can do today. Transform us, renew us, bring to mind the places where we have fallen short of your glory this week, where we have not lived into what you've called us to be and do. And so, Lord, we take just a moment even to bring those before you to confess them silently to you, to continue in worship unhindered, unburdened, because Christ has paid for our sins. So hear these silent confessions. Spirit, as we hear the gospel today again, let us hear it with fresh ears that reassures the cleansing from all sin and the the glory and righteousness of Christ that we are given as we trust, as we have faith, as we repent. I pray that you bless us with that this morning. We pray that you bless our youth with that very same thing as they're probably doing their own morning devotion, worship time, time in the word. We pray, God, for those youth. Lord, our youth, as we know, are under unique pressures that former generations haven't faced, whether it's social media, um, 
the state of our world, the state of the future of our nation, whatever it might be, Lord, the state of the future of the church. Our youth face incredible pressures. And Lord Jesus, we want them to find their purpose, their identity, their life, their hope in you. And so I pray right now as uh, either David or Pastor David or Pastor Michael are speaking at this camp, may you use those words to break through hardness, to break through callousness, to break through shame and guilt and, and hopelessness with the joy of life in Jesus. May you do that. Keep them safe as they play today in the snow and travel back tomorrow. Um, bless those families as their youth come back, we pray. Bless as well what we give to you. We give back to you, Lord, because every penny we have is a blessing from you. Everything you've given is Everything we have is given from you. And where we are fed by the word, we want to give to the mission of this place. And so use our tithes and offerings this week, this month, this year, to further the disciple-making mission of Bethany Church, we pray. Bless Jack as he preaches today. Bring the word to our hearts and ears, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, kids, at this time, we're so glad you're here in our service. We are, love also that you get to have a message from your teachers that's geared right towards you. So you guys can walk back with your parents or by yourself if, they, if your parents tell you to go and meet your teachers in the hallway where you will hear about the gospel and about Jesus Christ with a message that's tailored just to you. Couple of things to announce this morning as those kids are going out. The first one is our equip class started this morning uh, for the first of six weeks, but it's not too late if you want to jump in next week. We're going through a really, uh, I think, stimulating uh, video discussion Bible study series together. We'll be doing it for the next five weeks, and it's called Six Steps to Loving Your Church. We're talking about what is our mindset, our heart attitude when we walk through the doors of the building. What's our heart and mind attitude when we get in the car to drive here? Maybe you come in expectant. A lot of you do, I know. Maybe you come in on some Sunday morning just dragging yourself in, needing that cup of coffee. Maybe you had a little argument in the car on the way in with your spouse, and you're walking in just like, ugh, put on a happy face, right? That's what this class is about, really practical ways of how we live life together and how we can practically love the church. So if you missed this morning and still were thinking about it, come next week. They're kind of standalone weeks. We'll be in there 9 a.m. room two right behind the sanctuary next Sunday morning, and child care is available for that. And then finally this morning, we have a welcome lunch coming up. This is for our new or newish people at Bethany Church. If you are here and it's last six months to a year, uh, or less, uh, we encourage you to sign up for this. It's a time to have a free lunch, gather with some of the leadership of Bethany Church, hear about our church, vision for the church, and ask any questions you might have. Uh, we need to get a head count, so we have lunch. So if you would like to sign up, you can do that a couple ways. One, fill out that next step card you see in the chair, put it in the boxes in the back when you leave with your name, phone number, and next step, or uh, excuse me, welcome lunch, right that on the back. Or you can sign up on a clipboard out at the welcome counter today. Hope if you are new or newish, you will consider coming to that uh, lunch. What gift of grace is Jesus, my redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom. 
my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I quote, my cup is only Jesus. For my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. The night is dark, but I am not forsaken. Oh, try my side. The Savior, He will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing. For in my need, His power is displayed. To this I call, my Savior will defend me. Through the deepest valley, He will lead. Oh, the night has been won, and I shall overcome, yet not I, but through Christ in me. No fate I dread, I know I am forgiven. The future sure, the price it has been paid. For Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon. And he was raised to overthrow the grave. To this I called, my sin has been defeated. Jesus now and ever is my plea oh the chains are released i can sing i am free yet not i but through christ in me with every breath I long to follow Jesus, for he has said that he will bring me home. And day by day, I know he will renew me until I stand with joy before the throne. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, all the glory evermore to Him. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, and all the glory evermore to Him. 
Today's reading is from Matthew, chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. There's a lot that goes into getting ready for this moment. <laughs> you can be assured of anything, uh, what, sound system-wise or the rest goes wrong, all roads lead right back here to me. So I, I'm owning that from the, the very outset. Every four years, the Summer Olympics begin with an event that captures the imagination of the entire world. And that is, indeed, the lighting of the Olympic flame. At the conclusion of an international marathon relay, one final runner enters into the Olympic Stadium. After traveling sometimes by foot, sometimes by, by bicycle, sometimes boat, sometimes by air, sometimes over thousands of miles, the torch finally enters the stadium in the hands of one final runner who ignites that enormous flame while millions of people all across the globe are enthusiastically observing every detail of this matchless moment. Perhaps some of you, like myself, and I assure you it was just a wild dream, not something that I truly aspired to, but some of you have wondered how exciting it would be to serve as one of the bearers of this Olympic flame. What an unforgettable experience it would be, excuse me, for any who had the privilege of carrying that torch, even if it's just for that one leg of the incredible journey from ancient Greece all the way to the Olympic Stadium, wherever in the world in that given year the Olympics were to be held. Think, for example, of your fingers just carefully encircling this forged symbol 
of Olympic competition. Uh, each of your strides would throb with a sense that you truly are on a very important mission. All fatigue would fade, adrenaline would fill you to where you would hardly realize how tired you actually are. Your experience would make you a legend in your family and among your friends. At some point, your grandchildren would pull out the picture of you when you were running the leg of that international marathon relay. Their picture would be there. They would show their friends. They would immediately feel a sense of importance and value and pride. Just imagine, though, if you would for a moment, I know it's hard because the idea of any of us being selected, uh, some of us admittedly at our age, we can know it's definitely off the table. But if you can allow your imagination to take you to the point of where you could picture just being the one that is grabbing hold of that piece of tradition in your hands and knowing that for that one brief moment, you were a link, a vital link in a historic chain. Do you realize this morning that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've trusted in him for your salvation, you do carry a torch. Every genuine follower of Christ carries a flame that has infinitely greater value than that of the Olympic flame. The pomp and the circumstance of the international Olympic competition, it is sometimes almost breathtaking, yet... I trust you would agree with me this morning that it pales in comparison to the eternal wonder and significance of the ministry which Christ has entrusted to every one of his followers. Yes, proud athletes across time have carried the Olympic torch accompanied by incredible applause and admiration, while Christians across the centuries have borne the torch of the gospel despite centuries of persecution and trial. Please make no mistake about it either. When we're talking about us as believers, followers of Christ, carrying that torch, the flame that we carry as believers is no mere symbol. The one that uh, those who are part of that international marathon relay, relay carry, yes, in the picture you saw a moment ago, uh, absolutely, incredible symbolism. But the torch that we carry is the light of God that is desperately needed by people that are living in a dark and increasingly de decaying world. I want you to time travel with me for a moment back to the point that Jesus first passed the torch to his disciples. Kathy shared it with us in the reading just a moment ago. Let me say this before I reread that text and encourage you to re-look at it and examine with me once again, that if you are here this morning and you are struggling in even the slightest way with what your role or your mission in life is, if, if there's even the slightest measure of fog in your own understanding of why God left you on this planet after you became a Christian, after you surrendered your life into his service, the truth of God's word centered on the passing of the torch from Jesus to his disciples should dispel any remaining fog that might be there in your mind. Matthew, of course, is the one that records the words that we refer to as the Great Commission. He does so at the very end of his gospel. 
These were likely among Jesus' very last words to his disciples. Wouldn't you agree with me that oftentimes a person's last words are some of his or her very most important, if not the most important words? They're words that are to be remembered. They are words that are meant to be lived by. They often carry the deepest meaning and register the greatest impact of any words that that individual has ever spoken. That is certainly the case with Jesus' words in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And so, yes, this is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God for his word. We will read it once again, beginning verse 18 of Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That was not very many words. These are his last words, but they were not a lot of words. They had a lot of meaning. As a matter of fact, they summarized Jesus' entire earthly life. He told his followers that their job was to do for the rest of their lives what he had done during his life. Jesus charged his disciples to make other disciples who would make even more disciples. And so make no mistake about this morning, I don't think there was any question in anybody's mind when you saw that the sermon title is a part of this series on discipleship, or we're calling it the Disciple-Making Church, when we posed the question, who makes disciples? I doubt there was a person that came in here today thinking that I was going to provide an answer different from what you already know. Hey, it's all of us as believers in Jesus Christ. So you're right about that. Uh, it is indeed every Christian's calling, task, and privilege. I chose each of those words very deliberately, and I'm going to come back to that point in just a moment, that it's for each of us that name the name of Jesus Christ. Let's first zoom in closer to these final verses of Matthew's gospel. This was a day of challenge. It was a day for a handoff. It was a day to pass the baton, torch, you get to pick the imagery this morning. From the outset, Jesus told his disciples that he intended to make them fishers of men. You're familiar with that phrase out of the Gospels. Because Jesus intended, and his mission with his disciples was to prepare them to make more disciples who could make yet more disciples, he intentionally involved them in his ministry. It means that he would consistently teach them his priorities. He would encourage them to observe him while he is in action and learn from that. And yet now things were different. He had been crucified. He'd been raised from the dead. The time for his ascension was near. And so over the course of the next 40 days, Jesus appeared to his disciples approximately 10 times. So between resurrection and ascension, about 10 appearances. Sometimes he appeared to a mere individual disciples. A disciple. Sometimes it was to several disciples. Only once 
did Jesus announce when that appearance was going to happen? This meeting in Galilee that we have just read a portion about out of Matthew's gospel is that time. The excitement was running very high. Female disciples were spreading the news that the angel had given them, recorded in Matthew 28.10, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Who all was Jesus planning to meet that day? It is an important question. It may seem irrelevant, but as we unfold this a little bit more, you'll see that it was very important. Most likely, this was the gathering of the 500 that is referred to in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6. Matthew writes in chapter 28, 16, verse 16, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When these disciples arrived in Galilee, following their travel from Jerusalem, there were already many disciples gathered in Galilee. And from this, we know that Jesus' commission was not only given to the 11 individuals that we know for sure were his closest companions, his, his closest partners in ministry. Rather, it's a charge that was given to every one of Christ's followers. And so we are saying this, and your notes allow you to complete a sentence. Jesus' commission is an everyday commission given to every Christian for every moment of their everyday lives. So now we've identified for sure the torch that Jesus has given us to carry, and now it's critically important that we don't just jump away from Matthew 28 at this point, and indeed we want to understand it more fully, but one particular item that is so important, once you have clearly in your mind that yes, Jesus wants and intends to include even you in this ministry of disciple-making, there's a very important assurance that he gives. Part of the beauty of any of the commands that Jesus gives, or what Paul might uh, have in Scripture, any of the others, God always supplies the resources by which that can happen. Look again at Matthew 28. Jesus did not commission us to take on this task alone. Notice that it is before that he commands his listeners to make disciples. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So, look, I'm calling you to do something. Just know this. I, as the one who am issuing this command, calling you into this endeavor, enlisting you and handing out these marching orders, I am the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. And then, that's before... After the commission, he assures them, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm with you always. So wrapped around this great commission is a promise of the active and the ongoing presence of the Lord. What a huge, huge promise. Jesus calls us to share his life his passion, his calling. Beyond that, this is absolutely exciting, energizing, reassuring. Beyond that, he promises that any person, any family, any church, 
that commits itself to doing what Jesus did, disciple-making, can expect and claim that same active and ongoing presence in their midst. Jesus does love to show up in a supernatural way when we obediently do what he called us to do and what he himself did. Now, I want to return back to the point I said a moment ago. We have returned to the point that Jesus charged to make disciples who will make other disciples as every Christian's calling, task, and privilege. Now we're coming back to that specific point. And so, indeed, as noted earlier, today's question in our discipleship series is who makes disciples? Week one, why make disciples? Week two, what is a disciple? Week three, how are disciples made? Today, who makes disciples? Next week, where are disciples made? The consistent testimony of the Bible uh, in response to the question of who makes disciples is that every single Christian is called and commissioned by Christ, and that's not all, and equipped by God's Spirit, equipped by God's Spirit, not merely to be a disciple, but also to make disciples by helping them follow Jesus, helping them increasingly submit all of life to his lordship and his empowering presence. There's a lot of words there. I encourage you, don't subtract out any of them because each is important. What this is saying is that God has filled every believer in Christ with the power of his own spirit to enable each of us individually and all of us collectively to reach every corner of this globe, beginning in our homes, moving out on the streets around us, into our neighborhoods, into our communities, to our schools, to our workplaces, to our fitness centers, to the clubs and organizations that we're a part of in the community or area. Any setting in which we encounter and gather with people is a part of that where. I don't want to steal Jeff's thunder for next week, but you probably have a sense of how that question is to be answered. He will unpack it for us, though, the where of disciple-making. And are you aware of this? You ought to be encouraged, yet challenged as well, but encouraged as much as anything else, that the spread of the gospel in the book of Acts, we looked last week, Jeff guided us through that, the Acts pattern, you recall that? But throughout the gospel of Acts, the spread of the gospel took place because of the fact that ordinary people who were empowered by that extraordinary presence we talked about just a moment ago, they were pro proclaiming the gospel everywhere they went. Very ordinary people, but a very out-of-the-ordinary, extraordinary presence of God filling them, and these people, no-name people, spread the gospel throughout the known world. One writer put it this way, anonymous Christians, and he emphasized not the apostles, first took the gospel to Judea and Samaria. Unnamed believers founded the church at Antioch, which became a base for mission to the Gentile world, and unidentified followers of Jesus spread the gospel throughout all of Asia. 
disciples were made and churches were multiplied in places that the apostles never went. The good news of salvation through Jesus Christ spread not primarily through gifted spiritual leaders, but through everyday people whose lives had been transformed and were in that process of being transformed by the power of Christ. And so they were going from house to house. They were going along the streets. They were going into marketplaces and shops along various streets, travel routes, daily, guiding people in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and surrender to him. And even though they faced untold trials and unthinkable persecution, they experienced the unimaginable joy that is available to each of us as we partner with Jesus in the advancement of his kingdom. It may not look like I boil down sentences to the essence of it, but I think I did a, a decent, at least got a passing mark on this. So similarly, don't take anything out from there. Yes, faithfulness to the gospel of Jesus Christ the spread of his word, the advancement of his kingdom, we know from Scripture multiple references to the fact that that will lead to untold trials and possibly unthinkable persecution. But the result of that is we experience the unimaginable joy of obedience to Christ. Do you happen to remember, it really fits here, if you remember the picture that God gives in Deuteronomy 6, in instructing parents concerning his commandment to love them with all their hearts, minds, souls. It reads as follows in verses 6 through 9. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. This is in the home. That's where it starts. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. In other words, in all activity... It's just that natural flow of scriptural, biblical truth that is to flow out of us. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Not only does this text reinforce the point that communication of the truth of Scripture is a calling for every person who names the name of Jesus Christ, but it also highlights a truth that is a vital part of the disciple-making process, and that is that this is more easily accomplished. Yes, there's pain that will come with. Yes, there is the risk of persecution. But the doing of this is easier than I think most of us has ever imagined. A lot of it is, is simply that willingness to sprinkle our various conversations with whoever we're with, wherever we're at, in the timing that obviously seems most right and appropriate, and as we've, um, particularly if we've cultivated that kind of friendship where we've earned that opportunity to be heard, is simply sprinkling our conversations with the Word of God wherever we go, wherever we are. This is a portrait, what we've painted thus far, is simply a portrait of the church of Jesus Christ in its inception. Ordinary people empowered by an extraordinary presence heralding the gospel everywhere they went. That's your summary of what life 
in the early church was about. Matter of fact, Luke, the writer of Acts, goes out of his way to show us that the gospel travels faster around the globe through the mouths of ordinary people like those of us that have gathered today than it does through full-time vocational Christian leaders. Now, careful, you don't draw the wrong, wrong conclusion from that. Jeff's the closest to me, has the longest reach, could take me out at any point. But just as we were saying a moment ago, uh, remember how, how it spread into places where the apostles never went? The point of that wasn't, well, what were they doing? My goodness, kind of uh, falling down on the job. No, it is to say the apostles were faithfully ministering to those in Jerusalem during that time of persecution. It's, it's the rest of them that spread out, all right? We're going to get to what um, the responsibility of the Pastor Jeffs and Pastor Davids and church leaders is in a moment, but it's encouraging, isn't it, to know how fast the Word of God travels through ordinary people like us. So with that in mind, is it any surprise that in the New Testament, the balance of ministry, I'll talk clearly in a moment, it shifts away decidedly from specialized, more equipped leaders to ordinary followers of Jesus Christ. And you'll recall with me, I trust, that Paul clearly and emphatically stated that God's primary purpose for church leaders is, and you heard the word and saw it a moment ago on the screen, Jeff referred to a ministry that just began today called Equip. What's the responsibility of the leaders within any Within Indian church, what do we biblically expect of our pastors and elders to do? Equip us for the work of ministry. I think it's very hard to overstate how important that really is. It means that ordinary people, talk about us, people with problems, people with faults, people with brokenness, people with stubborn habits, people with personal weaknesses, we can be used mightily in the disciple-making mission of God. And then you have this in your notes. It's not about our ability to do things for God. It is about his ability to accomplish his work through us. More than likely... If you weren't in agreement at the beginning of the message, hopefully I've given you enough uh, biblical evidence to state the case that Christ's call to make disciples is for each of us who, that affirms allegiance to him. And yet, and here's where we're going to begin to wrap things up this morning. If we're to be really honest with one another, we face some very genuine, some very real roadblocks and reservations. There are a lot associated with this thing of being a disciple maker of Jesus Christ. I want to focus on only one this morning if we're, as we're wrapping some things up. I think it's one of the most common roadblocks, the sense of inadequacy or lack of confidence that we feel in speaking to others about spiritual things. We just, man, let's just honestly acknowledge that and have the, the freedom to admit that this morning and accept the freedom that comes with it. In other words, many of us feel quite inadequate in knowledge and in skills to communicate the gospel 
effectively to others. And with that in mind, Bethany's leadership is adding two specific avenues in addition to growth groups, two new avenues for those of you that want to be equipped, further trained, further readied for that, the mission that, and that baton, that torch that has been passed to you of making disciples. Uh, one of those is called Equip. Pastor Jeff already made reference to it. A weekly one-hour training session on Sunday morning. Students are in those classes are being equipped with tools and resources to meaningfully, effectively, and consistently participate in disciple-making activity in ways that fit their strengths, in ways that fit their wiring, in ways that fit their opportunities. Second avenue is called DNA groups. These consist of three people, three men or three women, meeting together to study God's Word, to care deeply for one another, to provide accountability for one another's spiritual growth and development. So it's DNA, D, discovering Jesus in the Scripture and nurturing the truths of the gospel that we've learned together as a team of three and getting those nurtured deep within our hearts. Uh, A, faithfully acting in obedience to what the Spirit is calling us to do as we're interacting with the text and, and planting the seed more deeply in our hearts. Currently, DNA group leaders are in a training process. Before long, they will be inviting members of our church family to join in this disciple-making movement. Now, I want to conclude this morning by stating that the primary takeaway for each of you is exactly this. Because each of us have a mental picture of disciple-making as this grandiose, super-spiritual, and intimidating endeavor, I want you to know how doable it is for each of us. Oh my gosh, people are coming forward already even without the invitation. I just wish so much that you could hear from others who are part of this church family how they are choosing to walk in obedience to the very great commission that we have just talked about. So let's see, Cameron, you're going to be starting this from what I understand. So let's have you shift down this way. We're making this more complex than we thought. And there is the mic. I can faithfully pray over my children and share with them my walk with Christ and how his grace and love are being shown in my life. I can continue actively serving with life-affirming organizations such as pregnancy care centers that give hope in many ways, such as coming alongside pregnant women who have chosen life for their babies. In my service as a reading mentor with the school children through the Canby Center, <clears throat> I can model the character of Christ to young students. I can read Bible stories to my grandchildren and guide them in applying spiritual truth to their life. Uh, God has allowed me the last quite a few years to walk every day around Hope Village. And I've uh, been able to meet a lot of people there and so I can talk with them, I can encourage them. I've even prayed with some, and I continue to pray every day for them. 
As a Sunday school teacher, I can be a seed planner. I can teach this, the students the character of God, show them what sin is, and our need for Jesus. In our Timber Park neighborhood, we can display the generosity and warmth of Christ's love by offering our home for residents to gather and build friendships. In my role as a machine, machinist, I can provide a listening ear to coworkers going through difficult situations and offer prayer for them. Thank you. You guys may be seated. So what you have just witnessed is how this tool that week by week we're trying to help you even better understand called the Vine Project, a tool that um, is helping us to learn how to faithfully do this thing called discipling. Uh, that's an example of how it is designed to work. It is going to enable each of us that consider Bethany our church home, our spiritual family, enable us to embrace each and every opportunity that we have to communicate the love of Christ and the truth about him in any setting that we find in ourselves where there's people, and where people are gathered together. It is so incredibly doable. Allow me to lead you in prayer as we're concluding our service. Father, I thank you for the fact that each of those who just shared their I can statement, uh, that is already a reality of life for them. And, and thank you, Lord, for the way you have worked in so many people's lives in this church family to where it could have selected any number of others, picked folks from any seating section in the auditorium this morning, and we would have been able to hear some stories of how you are at work as people are faithfully, in doable ways, engaging in the work of making disciples who will make other disciples. God, help us to keep clearly in focus. This is all about you. This is so that we can be as ready as possible for that day in the future when you will gather people around the matchless Lord and Savior of ours, Jesus Christ, people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. People who have come to faith in him, people who have been the benefactors of people like us reaching out, sharing Christ, sharing the love of Christ, exemplifying the truth about Christ, and inviting them to the adventure of following Jesus as Lord and Savior. And, and so, Lord, guide us to be faithful to you. Remind us consistently of your empowering presence that will enable us to be faithful in the manner that you deserve. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Jack, uh, for bringing us God's word and his commission to us. Um, we're going to sing a song now that uh, it's a pretty energetic song this morning. We were playing it. It's like, oh, I'm out of shape. And sometimes I, I'm glad, Jack, that, that you, uh, you know, talked about our weakness and can God really work through us in our weakness. And I was reminded of these words uh, from Jesus to Paul. This is from 2 Corinthians 12. And Jesus, this is what Paul wrote. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. 
for my power is made perfect in weakness. So if you feel weak like me, uh, please still sing out on this song. Uh, would you stand with us as we sing, Great is your faithfulness, O God. Oh 
You carried that. That was great. Thanks for leading today, Kirk and the worship team. It was great to have you guys uh, leading today. And thanks to Jack uh, for opening the word for us today, reminding us of um, the call for every member ministry, that throughout this series, we're trying to make discipleship not from this big, giant, scary thing, but to something where whoever you act with, just thinking about how can I help this person take one step closer to Jesus and maturity. Maybe it's just praying for them. Maybe it's reading a story with them. Maybe it's listening to a, a coworker, share a struggle and offering to pray. There's a million different ways, but we have to be open to that. And so thanks for encouraging us today in that, Jack. We've got a couple more weeks on this series, and we'll talk a little bit more about this uh, before we move on, uh, not from discipleship, but to another series. A couple of things to highlight real quick before you go. We have those, uh, you've seen them maybe, counseling booklets or encouraging little booklets out there across the men's restroom in the gathering place. I wanted to just uh, highlight a few new ones we have out there. Um, one's called Helping Your Anxious Child, What to Do When Worries Get Big. Those are free and out there to grab uh, today if you want. Another one, Help for the Caregiver. Facing the challenges with understanding and strength. Maybe you have an uh, increasing burden or changing relationship with loved ones where you're now moving into a, a caregiving role. That's out there as well. How about chronic pain? Is there anything more probably difficult uh, in a heart and life of an individual to deal with chronic pain? That's out there too. Those are free. Those are out there. If you never looked at them before, there's a bunch of them. Probably 30 of them are out there. So take a look. They are available. And then finally today, uh, second uh, Sunday of the month, we usually like to do this. But this week we're doing it the third Sunday because we had our craft project that Jolene Leland got for us last Sunday that was awesome. But th So this Sunday, our elders are going to be available after church, a couple of them. If you want to talk, if you want to have a question about church or life, or you just want prayer for something going on excuse me, in your life, we will be in room two right across there, a few of us, uh, five minutes or so after service. We'd love just to see you. Maybe you're new to the church and just want to say hi to some of the leaders. encourage you to come in there uh, to talk with us. But as we head out today, like we like to do, not just say like, hey, see you, get out of here. But we also want to use the word of God when we go from this place, because we're the gathered church, but we're also the scattered church. So let's use the word to bless one another as we head out today. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant us to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together we may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Have a blessed Sunday. We'll see you next week. Grab some coffee and donuts. Say hi. Don't run out of here. Meet somebody new.